0: guys welcome back to another episode i made it another week without the baby coming so we're doing an episode and i got john here Ah, uh, sorry i do this every time and i can't fucking get over it dude i just care too much and i get all fucking nervous and now i'm starting to sweat dude
1: i see it i see the sweat yeah. coming off of you dude
0: red embarrassed <laughs> um no oh, we got some changes Going on, we're uh, we're in the new room, dude. No longer at my kitchen table.
1: Yeah, now we're just in a different table in a different room. You yeah, I mean? yeah,
0: but I can stretch out and lean back in this room, right? Yeah, it's episode number ten.
1: Jesus Christ,
0: number ten, dude. No, John's going to uh, share a little bit about his story, and we're going to hear about him and get to know him as the new co-host of the podcast. Also, we might be changing the name. It's in the discussions.
1: Yeah, it's it's tabled.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll
1: old old business. We'll address <laughs> that at another point.
0: <laughs> we got some we got some names where uh, we're throwing around, but don't worry. If you follow it, it'll just be under a different name. You'll still be following it.
1: Yeah, make sure you hit a uh, notify, follow, all that good stuff.
0: Are you really wearing an AOC shirt?
1: You're goddamn right. I am.
0: God damn it, dude! Did you buy it from a website? No. Okay. <laughs> Bitches about capitalism and then sells I, t-shirt to I, make I, a profit. I bought it off of Etsy. Anyways, let's not get into politics on this one. Yeah,
1: no, not so early. Maybe <laughs> a little bit later. We do
0: it. Tell us a little about childhood growing up. What was it like?
1: Sure. So um, I was born in San Antonio, Texas. I'm the oldest of three. Um, so I have two little brothers. Both are pretty close. My uh, the middle brother is three years younger than me, and the youngest is eight. My dad is a, or was a traveling musician, now uh, retired. We moved to Wyoming, and I lived there for a little bit, and then we moved to Arizona, where we moved to Page. My dad was like the house band at some of the bars there, uh, touring around the Southwest, and uh, he was gone from home a lot. So my mom primary like breadwinner for the family um, had a good job at a hospital good health insurance all that stuff while I didn't like need for anything you know like we we were decent enough well off you know what I mean yeah that's that's where it started I remember uh being pretty much my whole entire life feeling kind of like out of place um always needing to escape whether it was like video games growing up or reading was like One of the things that I did a lot is like throw myself into fantasy novels, be gone for like, like a day, right? Like the new Harry Potter book would come out and I would literally not do anything except read that book.
0: Nine hours straight of reading.
1: Right. And, uh, so from a pretty young age, I had trouble controlling, uh my urges or excesses or whatever you want to call them fast forward and we were in page and i'm going to the, a school and i i get my first like real like culture shock and you know this because we went to the same elementary school but i went from like a primarily white town to going to uh elementary school where i was like the only white kid in my class yeah it was my whole world would like change, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like,
0: majority to minority real quick.
1: Yeah, real quick, you know, and that th- I dealt with like my fair share of bullying and I'm like, I'm still small. Like I'm a small person, you know what I mean? And I was small then too, you know yeah. what I mean? And so like I got picked on, um, and that didn't really help anything at all. Um, fast forward to like middle school. So probably like 12 years old, right? Uh, I was always like, had super big glasses and like dressed awkward and stuff like that. When I was 12, I got contacts and that like changed everything in my whole entire life. It's, it's hard to imagine that something so small could matter so much, but it did. It mattered a lot. And cause kids are mean, dude, yeah. Kid, kids are ruthless. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and it probably changed your, your self-perception as well. So you had a little more confidence.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely became more confident. Uh, I started hanging out with like the skateboarders in town, um, I was never really good at skateboarding, but it was like the—it's just where I fell in. I felt like I belonged. I also had my first drink when I was twelve years old. The first time I ever got drunk was with some high school kids, and I was drinking ninety-proof peppermint schnapps—you know, the kind that comes out of the plastic travel bottle.
0: Yeah, I know it all too well. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites, <laughs> and
1: uh, and I thought it was super cool. Like me and my other friend were hanging out with these older girls, um, and getting wasted. Right. And I thought that this is where, this is where I wanted to be. Right. Like everything just kind of sort of fell into place. And I was like, I know what I want to do It's like, I want to party, be sociable. Right. Like I was always really a little bit awkward. Like I was pretty good at, meeting people and and making friends, but it just, like, gave me the extra nudge I needed to feel like I was cool, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: a little bit of booze and some older women (laughs) definitely will make you want to go back, you know? (laughs) (laughs) For sure.
1: Anyway, so that that started my whole uh, escapade into mind-altering substances, which uh, I faced some consequences pretty early on, nothing too major. I got arrested when I was 13 for minor consumption and you know I got like a slap on the wrist had to go to some IOP classes and stuff like that and then they let me go and uh, I started smoking weed like all the fucking time and ditching class so my dad was traveling all the time for work and my mom uh, worked all the time as well so my brothers would be in school and I was pretty much responsible to get myself to school well it's pretty easy in the small town that we're from to just not go to school when it's like five minutes away you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. It's so funny cuz like I grew up being told that I was so smart, right? Like I was taking these AP classes, I tested gifted at a young age, and so I felt like I never had to really work for anything my entire life. Like I could just skate through if I just put like minimal effort into whatever I was doing, right? Yeah.
0: Because you got the AP classes off minimal <laughs> effort. So. Exactly.
1: And I would like not do homework and like pay attention in one class and be able to ace tests. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I had, yeah, it was just school was always super easy for me. And so I never really felt like I had to do it. I remember being 13 years old and this was right after a summer where I had spent like the whole summer staying the night at a friend's house. And smoking weed the entire time, playing like Warcraft 3, eating giant bowls of Fruity Pebbles and like all that goofy stoner shit that you do. And I remember being like, I want to try every single drug. And the reason, my reasoning, my justification for this was, is I want to try every single drug. So when I talk shit about it, like I know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I didn't want to be like the square who had never tried acid or something like that.
0: I won't say acid is bad if I've never done it. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: but I applied that to every drug, right? Because I think I know better than all of this other information that's out there. Right. So like I won't decide that a drug is bad because somebody else says it's bad, right? I'll decide it's bad for myself after I try it. The problem with that is is I'm already an alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think any drug is bad.
0: And they're addictive. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) I was 16 years old, I dropped out to do internet school, didn't do any of that, because again, I was responsible to make sure I got that stuff done myself, and so I never did it. I went to an alternative high school for like a couple months, I got suspended like the first week I was there for coming back from lunch break, just eyes so fucking bloodshot. And the next time my dad came home, he's like, I packed you a bag, you're coming with me. And so I went on tour with my dad through the Midwest. That was the first I think we did six month tour, something like that.
0: Was it that long?
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: I remember you being gone, but I don't remember it being like six months.
1: It might have been like three or four. It was like a summer tour we did. So the first, the first tour I did with my dad, I because I did I did two. I went on the road with my dad twice. Once when I was sixteen, and once when I was seventeen. I we. Like, went to these places like Deadwood, South Dakota. And I remember being in Spearfish because the transmission had broken down in the vehicle. Never be a road musician because your cars will break down no matter what. I swear to God, my dad and other road bands have just the worst luck with the vehicles. I uh, was in the Safeway in this little nowhere town. And I had been sober for like four days. And I remember thinking to myself, this is the longest I've been sober in years. At 16 years old. At 16 years old. You know what I mean? Like in years. And like no cigarettes, no nothing. Because at the time, my dad was going to like get me straight. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like he was going to like take me away from everything and it was going to change my life. Needless to say, it didn't really work. I still managed to like smoke freaking halfies on the ground and like i didn't really drink or smoke weed the whole time i was there wait a minute that that's a lie so i was in botno north dakota and I were botno 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 north dakota okay and never heard of
0: it (laughs)
1: We were, uh, it was this little, so when the transmission broke down, my dad missed playing a bunch of dates, right? Because we couldn't get to where we were going. Yeah. So we picked up all these smaller gigs that he wasn't originally planning on doing to like make up for the time being off the road.
0: How did he find these gigs? Can we?
1: Yeah. So, uh, my dad had a relationship. Well, one, he's been in the industry for a really long time, right? Like since before I was born. So my dad had been traveling around the country playing in bands as like a cover rock blues band um, since before I was alive. And so he had connections specifically with an agent based in Minneapolis that a lot of these places would contract out. So okay. my dad would sign a contract that he's going to play at these places for this amount of money, right? There'd be certain stipulations like at a lot of the biker bars in South and North Dakota, you can't play cocaine by Eric Clapton, It's not allowed. It's a stipulation in the contract, right? That you can't play that song because it gets bikers too rowdy.
0: (laughs) Yes. Sweet. Yep. Sweet.
1: My dad had played at like Sturges and all these other, you know, like biker rally places. I never went to Sturges with him, but I got to see a little bit of that culture being in South Dakota. I remember being at this bar, 16 years old, in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota, and I'm like running Lights and Sound. My dad taught me how to do this, right? This is where... My dad kind of showed me what his life looked like, right? Because I had no idea. I was just thinking he's like gallivanting off across the country, you know, playing at these bars and living that rock star life. And I kind of resented him for that, right? Is like, he wasn't there for lots of Christmases, lots of birthdays, right? And as a angsty teenager, you know what I mean? (laughs) I hold that stuff, right? And I use that stuff as justification to act out. So he taught me how to, you know, I was basically his roadie and I would run my cables and run sound for him and do light shows and all that stuff. It's a pretty cool experience to be that young, underage and traveling around in bars, right? And so I definitely value that experience a lot. Just with his background in music, I had been in bars at a really young age. I remember like being there with my mom at three years old, watching my dad play on stage, you know? He used to play like the Barney theme song when it was time for me to go like on stage as I was leaving, you know what I mean? With my mom. So anyways, we're at this, we're at this, I'm 16 years old. (laughs) I'm at this bar. These people are jamming out and they're like, Hey, do you want a shot? Like they don't even ask me how old I am. Right. I'm just like, yeah, I want a shot. And at like the second show we went to, I got drunk off a Jaeger and threw up in the hotel room bathroom. Right. And like, I didn't, really get in trouble. My dad thought like the hangover was enough. And I think at this point too, I would put my parents through such frustration that they were just trying to live and let live. Grounding me and punishing me never really did anything. And so they were just trying to like, let me figure it out on my own. So that was like my first experience drinking on the road at a bar underage.
0: So, and eventually you did figure it out on your own. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I figured it out.
1: (laughs) You about know, 10 years later. Maybe 9, but, 10 years later, something like <laughs> yeah.
0: that.
1: 10, actually. They weren't, they yeah. weren't
0: wrong. It just, yeah. you know, they had to be patient.
1: And I, I think that's the key for a lot of people, though, is like uh, experience is the number one teacher, you know? Yeah. Like I can say something to somebody else all I want, but most people have to be like, oh, that's right, when it happens to them. And yeah. it's really unfortunate, but that's... That's the case with a lot of things is people don't care about a lot of things that happen in the world until it happens to them directly. You know, it's hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and you can be really like unsympathetic or empathetic or whatever you want to call it until it happens to you. They're like, oh, now I get it, you know? Yeah. Like now I fucking get it.
0: Yeah. That's, that's one of the bigger problems (laughs) we we have. Yeah.
1: Individualistic and selfishness. um, It's also, what's that? It's uh, terminally unique, right? Terminally unique. It's like, I'm different than everybody else and this doesn't apply to me.
0: Yeah, you are, but you're just the same too. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) So we get off that tour. I like try to go back to school for like a semester. It doesn't work. So I go on tour again with him. This time was a little bit different. I was 17 years old. I had some pretty cool experiences. I like did shrooms in a bar that had sawdust on the ground, like while I was working. And that was pretty cool. Um, I like drank and smoked weed with a couple of the band members because I I was like almost an adult, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean pretty much.
1: When you're se- when you're 17 and you're in or 18, you can gamble in North Dakota if you're with a parent or a guardian or something like that. Tight. Yeah, I,
0: mean, I didn't even know North Dakota had casinos <laughs> or heard- South
1: South Dakota. Excuse me, but it's pre- lot- it's it's pretty much the same thing.
0: I heard a lot about Dakotas. Okay. <laughs> Might have to go visit one day.
1: It's it's beautiful country up there, man. The Black Hills and Mount Rushmore. And there's just like fields of grass everywhere. You'd think it was out of a movie, dog. Like, it's absolutely insane. Yeah? Yeah.
0: I want to go to Mount Rushmore. Here there's a secret room on top. That's what I Yeah. They yeah. hide. You ever seen Richie CIA Rich? CIA secrets. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people are ridiculous. Uh,
1: I wouldn't doubt it, to be honest with you.
0: What? That there's...
1: A secret room in Mount Rushmore.
0: That's hiding... CIA secrets and maybe not
1: CIA secrets but I bet there's a room up there somewhere
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but I bet you it's fucking empty okay or filled with something that's not important <laughs> because if it was important somebody would have it or have it under guard or have it under watch
1: that's fair I'll give you that much
0: it's not like National Treasure where they just oh let's put a maze up here and we're good to go we'll, somebody will get it someday
1: I think life would be more interesting if stuff was like that it would be mean?
0: but it's not like that
1: I turn 18 years old and things kind of...
0: Yeah. Sorry, I get sidetracked. No, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. I'll try and stay on subject.
1: Tangents are are cool. Yeah. That's how conversations naturally flow, you know? Yeah. So I turn 18 years old and things change pretty quickly. At this point, I, like, dropped out of school. I told my parents I was going to get my GED. Oh, actually, let's go back. When I come back off a tour... I'm like, I get a job, I'm working full time, and right before I turn 18, so my birthday's in February, so like November and December, I got arrested two different times and caught three different charges. Uh, Four. The fr- so the first one, we were at a party, you were there this time, and I actually just bought this pipe off of you. It was like a weed pipe cake with resin. We were at this party. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And the cops showed up. And we leave, right? The cop's just like, I'm just going to take all you guys home. He's like, you guys didn't try to run. I'm just going to take you home.
0: And you can... Wait, I was there?
1: Yeah. Or I just bought the pipe off of you. You were working at Dan Bar and Grill at the time, so... I can't remember how exactly I came... I, I just know it used to be yours, and I bought it off of you.
0: Yeah. I have one experience where the cops actually just took me home, 13. <laughs> and I was crying, and he was pounding on the door, and my dad was asleep wouldn't answer the door... <laughs> And then he finally, like, I was like, If if you let me knock on his window, he might wake up and open the door and just get the fuck in the house, you know, all yeah. pissed off and went right back to bed, dude.
1: So I have this weed pipe in my pocket, right? And it's just caked with resin. Like you can smell it a mile away. I actually had it like stuffed in my pants and the cops like, Can I search you guys for everything? I'm like, Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't find it, right? <laughs> I'm in the back seat of the car. <laughs> and he smells and it. <laughs> you could just smell it everywhere. <laughs> I'm the last one to get dropped off. And he's like, hey, can I search you again? And finds it, right? And so I get charged with, like, illegal possession of paraphernalia or something like that.
0: Yeah, which is dumb. But we'll get yeah <laughs> super let's, dumb let's not get sidetracked
1: and then i got it i got arrested again new year's eve for like illegal consumption my dare officer arrested me it was all sorts of yeah yeah
0: yeah that sucks doesn't it yeah it i was, was like the rising star and <laughs> dare you know gave a speech and everything and then uh i don't remember years, my dare graduation years later.
1: actually i remember it was at the sierra club but
0: oh i, I remember know. it dude i remember reading this little like three-paragraph essay I wrote about how I was never going to do drugs. and <laughs>
1: Just say no, kids.
0: Yeah, it totally works. Just say works. no. <laughs>
1: I got arrested, and I got, like, illegal possession of alcohol, like, felony possession of marijuana because, like, weed was illegal. It was, like, still a class action, like, class one drug. And I got caught with, like, a couple roaches and another paraphernalia charge. So they decided to hold those charges until I was 18 years old.
0: Oh, that sucks. That sucks.
1: Uh, but once again, I get a slap on the wrist, right? I go to my court date in March with my dad and we meet with the, the public, attorney. Yeah, the
0: public attorney.
1: Yeah. It's like the the, the, dist- the district, district attorney. District attorney yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, what are you doing with your life? Well, I'm like, well, I'm working full time. I really want to get my GED, uh, you know, like I'm trying to put all this stuff behind me lying through my teeth. I yeah. basically been yeah. doing the same shit. And he's like, okay, I'll put you on deference. I'll defer your sentencing. You just got to stay out of trouble for a year, get your GED, and pay a $300 fine. So I do all those things, right? I get my GED a month before the due date. (laughs) I pay my fine a month before the due date, and I stay out of trouble for a whole entire year and get those charges dropped. Uh, At this point in time, I've gotten kicked out of my house. I'm trying to live on my own. Um... We lived together twice, I think, in that time. The first time on Thunderbird.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. That was a good one. That was a good one. Um, that cops knocking on my window with their flashlights. Mister Campbell, we know you're in there.
1: <laughs> that's that's when we learned that you don't have to answer the door you know what I mean yeah, so yeah. like they would show up and we would just like try to be as quiet as possible yeah, yeah. they would come by multiple times because we would just crank the music so loud we, I'm sure we were the most obnoxious neighbors oh, in the assholes, history dude. of that God, town
0: I get mad about my neighbors like playing techno at like 7 in the <laughs> afternoon dude
1: well we're just old now <laughs> I'm
0: like what the fuck are these guys doing what is this EDM bullshit <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it was just more of the same thing. And I remember not really having any goals. Like, my the only thing I wanted to do was, like, make enough money to get fucked up. Pay a little bit of bills. Not even all my bills. Yeah. Just pay yeah. some bills eventually. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: Know exactly what you're talking about. I would get my paycheck and I'd be like, okay, there's my rent money and the rest I'm buying drugs with.
1: <laughs> so, eventually I meet this woman and... I'm like, oh my God, we're in love, blah, 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 All that stupid stuff that you believe when you're, that'll be get together. Young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> yeah, young, dumb, and full of cum, that's Testosterone for sure. is
0: just peaking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this isn't even my final form.
0: You know what I'm saying? I,
1: I, I don't even remember proposing to her because like my life at the time, like, I had taken a step back from hard drugs. I had already done Oxy and Coke and shrooms and all that stuff at this point. But I had, like, taken a step back, and it was mainly just, like, drinking and, like, smoking weed for a while. Maybe Coke every now and then. We did shrooms. I remember the first time you did shrooms. That was wild. Never should have left you alone in that house.
0: Well, you didn't leave me alone. You asked
1: to be left alone. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: I don't really remember. So. Didn't I have a girlfriend that was there with me?
1: She eventually came, yeah, but you oh. ate like a quarter ounce to your face. She wasn't tripping, and you're like, no, nah, it's okay. She's going to be here, and it's going to be fine. And I'm like, okay, and I leave, later. and yeah. then she calls me, and she's like, you need to get back here right now. <laughs> He's freaking out. <laughs> I get back there, and you seemed like, okay, but I don't know. I was what tripping was tripping out, was Yeah, I don't know what was out. going on.
0: It, it was hitting me hard. <laughs> I was going through like a sailboat going through time, dude, I don't fucking know, (laughs) and then, like, we won't say her name, but, uh, we were trying to have sex, right, Yeah. (laughs) like, (laughs) this is great, dude, I was, like, tripping out, dude, and, like, I would, it would, it would get soft, you know what I'm saying, because I was, like, (laughs) going into it, and, like, I would start to come back, and it would get hard again, and then we'd continue, (laughs) I don't know how long this went on for, and then like I tried to take a shower and like I, I got stuck getting out of the shower. Like I was just stuck, dude. <laughs> I don't know, but anyways. Uh anyways, yeah, that was fun. You don't remember proposing?
1: I don't. Yeah, I don't remember proposing to her, but apparently I did. Like I don't remember how it happened.
0: So you just woke up one morning. She was like, "Yay, I'm your fiance."
1: <laughs> no, I remember being it like that for a little while, but I don't remember. The exact moment in which, like, oh, okay, I asked okay. her to marry me. I know we had been engaged for a good few months before she got pregnant, right? But I don't remember the moment. And that could just, I mean, that's just a testament to how fucked up I am in the head, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember it at all. Yeah. She might.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not going to ask her, though. <laughs>
0: well, uh, you know, we we suppress traumatic events. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We sure do. (laughs) Uh. So she gets pregnant. Some things happen. We have to move back to my parents' house. During that time, while she's pregnant, she quits doing everything. I'm still drinking, smoking weed, like, uh, but trying to to calm down, and I do a pretty good job at it. Only doing hard drugs when I have, like, super easy access to them. Like, I'm not hunting for them, but if they're in front of me and I have the money, I'm going to buy them. So I remember my son was going to be born and I was at the hospital for two days. I had left for a little bit to go hang out with some friends and I'm like snorting some like leftover morphine scraps out of someone's spoon that they used to shoot up in.
0: That progressed real fast.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) well, it was just part of that thing where like, it was right. Like I was trying to like smoke weed or something, but these friends were the only ones that were like free at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I went over to their house and they're full on junkies. I'm just like a little bit of a better junkie than them. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I hadn't I'm shot up class. yet. Yeah, i
0: high class. Yeah.
1: I just smoke oxy. You know I, mean? <laughs> I just snort Percocets. I don't stick a needle in my arm. But I mean, I just can't get away, right? Like I'm always thinking about getting messed up, whether it's drinking, smoking weed.
0: We had a baby on the way. You had yeah. to leave your fiance at the hospital to celebrate, dude. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know exactly where you're at. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I go I back the to the hospital thing. and I remember holding my son in my hands when he was born. One of the single most like beautiful moments of my life and being like, I'm going to change my life. You know, like this yeah. is, this is it. I'm going to change it. Needless to say, I did not change my life. We're living at my parents' house for a few years. I'm still working. And eventually after she... Has Silas? She's like, okay, now it's my turn. Now I get to party again. So both of us are back at it in our disease at the same time, and things get progressed pretty rapid, pretty quickly. We're selling drugs out of my parents' house. Uh, Eventually, something happens, and my parents find out. They're like, "What's going on? We know something's up."
0: Wait, what happened?
1: I was. We had been tweaking for a couple days. She finally goes to bed, but she's like, hey, I need you to get up and wake me up at this time so I can give this person a ride so we can get some pills, right? And so I fall asleep. I've also been tweaking for a couple of days and I just pass out. She wakes up. It's past the time that she needed to give this person a ride and just freaks out, like snaps in one of those, you know, tweaker rages that people are prone to have, right? Uh Uh-huh. And so she screamed at me, hit me with stuff, and then, like, takes off. Like, saying she's going to kill herself, things like that. Uh, My parents call the cops. We're living in my parents' house, as a a sane person would do. And so, as my parents are dealing with this, my dad comes to me, and he's like, John, what's going on? And I knew, like, I had no more moves, right? At that point in time, I needed to do something to gain a little bit of trust back. So I just tell him, I'm like, you know, I'm smoking meth and doing heroin and i need some help and so i get my sent to my first rehab in 2012 so 20 years old and it was a month-long program in estes park colorado super bougie uh prime rib dinners every friday during graduation
0: nice
1: um i my ex-wife now she uh Tried to go to a program and then left and then went back home and I had her send me drugs in the mail to the rehab. I was at a couple points of heroin and some suboxone. That worked? Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not really, but nice. I got it for sure.
1: So I, I wasn't ready. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I did it with my cabin mate at the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you sick soul. Yeah. Taking other people down with you.
1: Yep. Super sick. But what's funny is after that it happened, right? Like I didn't change my sobriety date or anything, but I remember that was like the first week I was there or something through the next three weeks, me and him would have conversations that night, eating peanut butter, jelly sandwiches, like waiting for our fucking Seroquel to kick in, you know, and I was taking, well, I was taking something else. It's for sleeping Trazodone. I was taking Trazodone while I was there Oh yeah. for sleep to go to bed. And we are like, you know what? Maybe this thing, you know, uh, can actually work. Like, I'm thinking, like, maybe I am an addict, and I do need the help that they're talking about here. But I still have these reservations in my head that I could smoke weed for since I was 13 years old. The only thing I wanted to do was, you know, be sitting on my porch with like a Mickey's 40 and like a blunt, smoke retired, weed every day. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we listen to Cop Mouth Kings and SRH, and we're just. <laughs> stupid stupid kids and i still had that mentality i was 20 years old nobody could tell me shit right like i i i admitted that i had a problem but only with hard drugs like i can still manage my drinking i haven't even had a legal drink yet even though i've drank more than enough for my, my whole entire lifetime you know yeah so i get back i fly into page and the very first thing i do is sit in the backyard and smoke weed that's the very first thing i do i go to na meetings i pick up dirty chips stuff like that. And
0: uh did you make amends for that?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: wow. So I think me being honest about it is a little bit a part yeah. of that, you know? What yeah. I mean?
0: Yeah. So I picked up a couple of dirty chips. Yeah. So it's all right.
1: I think I think we smoked weed together in the parking lot and then went to an NA meeting one time. I'm like 90% sure that happened. Maybe. Yeah.
0: When I was going to NA and Page, I was doing some boxing and Mm. smoking weed and spice and (laughs) telling people I was sober and my life had changed and yeah uh
1: it's funny the lies we tell ourselves
0: yeah it wasn't a very proud moment
1: so uh I'm trying to get jobs and like working on and off and all this stuff I, uh, eventually my parents move out and they're like, we're going to sublet this house that we've been living in for a while to you and you just got to pay rent and like give us money for utilities. I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. I do that. I turn it into a trap house, no power, no water, no electric, like nothing. You know what I mean? Like sterno cans up in that bitch, right? Wow. Yeah.
0: How quickly did that happen?
1: Pretty quickly. I think I maybe... I never transferred the name of the power over to my name. Nothing like it happened pretty quickly. Uh, I should mention that before all this, before I went to rehab the first time that uh, CPS had filed a case against me and my ex-wife. And before we went, we gave my parents custody of our son and they've been his guardians ever since CPS dropped the case and we, You know, did whatever we
0: were doing. Yeah, went on your merry little way. Smartest thing I ever did,
1: hands down, because where we were going, he was for sure going to get placed in, like, foster care or something, so. Yeah. The smartest thing I ever, because she didn't want to sign those papers, and I, like, convinced her to sign those papers, because you need both parents, like, especially because we were married, so. Fast forward a little bit. uh, Anyway, so Trap House, we're getting ready. I think what had happened is... Things started to get bad really quick. I'm stealing lots and lots and lots of stuff, like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of merchandise from various stores that I'm not going to specify, you know, really what they are. I remember stealing some checks, some blank checks from my grandparents. I stole some blank checks from my grandparents and I got caught, right? Like I cashed one, I had another one folded up. It was for like 60 bucks. That's what, that's when I think about stuff like that and think about how, desperate I was all the time to get a fix like consistently all the time you know yeah my grandpa wanted to press charges against me and check fraud is a very high felony yeah (laughs) federal yeah my dad convinced him not to do it I returned the other blank check my dad comes over he says you're disowned from the family words he said he said you can't come over and see your kid not until you get some help so I call up one of my buddies. I'm like, Hey, I know, I know he's been sober for a while. He's been on IPS. I'm like, Hey, I need some help. He's like, yeah, come down to Prescott. We'll figure it out. And on the way down, of course, you have to meet up with your dealer one more time. Yeah. So I go pick up, uh, some heroin and then we got to go to the meth dealer, right? Cause they're two different people at that time. And so we're at the, at the dope dealer's house and they're like, uh, it's a pretty hot, hot spot and uh the cops like pull us over as we're leaving and turns out my ex-wife has a bench warrant out for arrest and so she sneakily hands me the drugs that she had in her bra and uh, the cops didn't see shit apparently because got away with it and they take her to jail on her bench warrant for like a traffic ticket. It was something so stupid. So stupid.
0: Yeah but leaving the trap house like they're yeah they're yeah, taking yeah. You in. Yeah you know
1: so they take her in and I'm like, well, I can't go get sober without my wife. You know, like <laughs> that doesn't make sense, you know. That's just codependency at its, at its finest. So I'm I'm couch surfing. My parents don't want anything to do with me. So I'm surfing from place to place, stealing a lot. Eventually I get caught and then I get charged with felony shoplifting for product over $1,000. Uh, two misdemeanor shoplifting charges that were just shy of $1,000 and felony drug paraphernalia. Because I had a, a tutor in my shoplifting jacket. You remember the jacket? The leather one?
0: I do remember that yeah. stupid jacket. I got a,
1: I got the nickname jacket because of that jacket.
0: Nice. Yep. Didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that was like your designated shoplifting jacket. <laughs> it was. I had, cut,
1: <laughs> I had cut holes in the inside pockets so I could stuff stuff all the way around the jacket. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh
0: smart stealer
1: stay in school kids
0: yeah <laughs> uh
1: so this is the first time i go to jail and i'm in jail for about a month get released on pretrial services she's already out you're like oh we're gonna get our shit together while you wait to go to court because i can't i can't move at this point right like i'm on pretrial services i have to stay in page at this time on the way back from the jail we stop in a gas station in cameron and i'm smoking 30s right no control. Eventually, things catch up with me again, and I go to jail for four months. Uh, longest time I ever spent in spent in jail was like hundred and twenty one days or something like that, give or take. I get put on Exodus, and I finish the Exodus program. And at my pretrial, they're like, "You gotta go." They they said if you will give, I pled guilty and got. Most of my felonies dropped, and one was undesignated. So if I finished probation successfully, they would drop it down to a misdemeanor. So I got pretty lucky. I get out, and I relapse continuously. I'm still going back to the same place, and at this point, I had started shooting up. I had started shooting up while I was in jail for four months. My ex-wife had started, and so when I got out... We got in a couple fights. She's like, oh, I'm doing it. And then I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to do it too. Because that's how fucking codependent I am.
0: Yeah. If you can do it, I can do it.
1: Yeah. So we go and uh, eventually they're like, you can't come back to Paige. You have to go somewhere else. So I moved to Prescott. I moved to Prescott. I enroll in like a sober living house there. I put together like four months, six months, something like that. But... My wife was like, you got to get me out of here or I'm going to die. So I pull some strings and I get her to come down there. And so I'm still spending time in the same toxic relationship. And eventually she relapses, then I relapse, you know, completely. It's all, it's all me for sure. Like hundred percent, like it's definitely my actions. Um, but being in that relationship was not good for me at all. So uh, I abscond from probation, right? I'm on IPS and I just, we just run, right? I take a shuttle down to Phoenix where she's got some family and we're there and they're like smoking meth and they're like, Oh, you guys are heroin addicts. You can't do heroin here. You got to leave. Like heroin was like the devil. I'll never forget this. It's always going to be engraved into my mind that they're rolling glass in the living room and I've got to go hide in the bathroom. And when they find out I'm doing heroin in the bathroom, they kick us out. Most wild bonker thing I've ever heard in my fucking <laughs> life. I'll never fucking that, get yeah. past that.
0: That doesn't make any sense to me.
1: No. Doesn't make any sense to me either. At all.
0: Heroin's the better drug.
1: Yeah. Yep. For sure. 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 10
0: out of 10. <laughs> as far as drugs go, yeah. for sure. I would give meth like a 6 out of 10.
1: So, we go to Community Bridges to detox, but we had been like mostly sober off of heroin. So, we're just like, we're like, fuck this. We're gonna leave. So... We leave, and we go to Cass, which is, like, the major homeless shelter uh, down in Phoenix, in, like, central Phoenix area. And she's a woman, so they take her in right away, because they've always got space for women. Yeah. I'm a man, and they're like, nah, you gotta go stay on the East Lot. And, boy, was that just a whole nother experience. This was, like, my first time, like, really being on the streets. Like, really, really being on the streets.
0: Nice skinny little white boy. Yep.
1: I just had a backpack, and there's, you know, just older and it's just it's just a whole different life it's that it's that underworld you know and I can't I can't sleep I can't sleep at all so I just go walking and I'm just walking forever you walk so much when you're homeless like actually homeless and nowhere to go it boggles my mind and uh, eventually we like meet up with some other friends and uh, they've he's a dealer kind of and so we're staying there for a little bit and his girlfriend at the time was uh the ex-girlfriend of one of my really close friends and they were like kind of sneakily talking about getting back together away from this guy i'm like hey he's like hey i'll come pick you up right to this girl and i'm like hey take me with you so he drives down from colorado picks me this girl and my wife up right and we drive to Grand Junction, Colorado. And when I get there, I get dropped off at a homeless shelter, and I check myself in, and I sleep on some bunks, and I'm like, it's going to be different, right? Like, my whole life's going to be different. Weed is legal here, right? I can smoke weed. Yeah. I'll get a job. Like, I'll just stay out of trouble. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out, right? Um, I just needed not be in Arizona. I figured that was my problem. Uh, Needless to say, uh, when your problem is you, you, you bring all your problems with you, right? <laughs> yeah living homeless uh sleeping in abandoned buildings because like the people at the shelter know when you're doing hard drugs right yeah and they- like i don't want to be around that the judgment and all that stuff so we decide to leave and we're like staying in you know roadway inns when we have the money for it sketchy places and abandoned buildings soup kitchen lines I remember getting, like, old lunches that the workforce would throw into the trash, into the dumpster. I'd crawl in there and grab a bunch of, like, sack lunches and crawl out, and that would be my meal for the day. And eventually, uh, me and her had been fighting for a really, really long time, and things had not been going well for us. Um, And I remember her telling me, like, hey, I have a crush on this kid, and I'm like, what the fuck, you know? And she's like, yeah, I think we should have a threesome. And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. No. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. So I'm trying to like justify this stuff in my head that it's okay. Right. And eventually it leads to us like camping together with this kid, her, and another person. And it's illegal camping, which is what you get busted with when you're homeless, right? And so I, the cops come and like, oh, you're you're, you know, you guys can't be here, and they start running names. This kid has a warrant out of Boulder. And so they take him and throw him in jail during this time. uh, She's like, I got to get him out of jail. I got to get him out of jail. I'm like panhandling like cardboard signs. And I'm like, nah, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, fuck this kid. Like, yeah. And it leads to this moment that I have, which is a moment of clarity. It's like, uh, she's like, I'm going to hitchhike to Boulder from grand junction. Okay. I guess we're going to do this. Right. And as we're walking, hitting the interstate, something click as I'm chewing a hole in my lip right from like all the just being anxious and nervous and hurt and all this stuff I realize that I'm making a conscious choice to be hurt like this every single day like it's been bad for a while it's been bad for a really long time and every day I wake up and decide to stay in that relationship I'm making a conscious decision to put myself in a pain and I turn the other way and she walks that way and we don't see each other again for months. And I had to do like a lot of, uh, learning. I didn't get sober. I called my parents. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, uh, me and Ashley split. Like I'm, I'm ready to come home. My dad was in like Wyoming or something at the time. He's like, chill for two weeks. I'll come swing by and pick you up. He picks me up. I've got a sack full of meth, some syringes, and I'm on my way back to Arizona. So I get to Arizona. My parents are like, you need to turn yourself in. And I'm like, nah, after the holidays, like give me till after Christmas. It's like right before Thanksgiving. Uh, needless Can to say, I, they let you. Uh, so they didn't want to, right? They didn't yeah. want to, but I had convinced them. Like I took a shower. I remember the thing I remember being about the streets um, in Colorado is I couldn't find hardly any opiates like at all. I don't know if I just was fucking with the wrong people, but it was mostly just like pills. There was almost no heroin. When I get back, guess what? All my buddies still doing the same shit and all of them still have the same connections. Right. So I remember doing a big shot and going to Thanksgiving dinner at my grandparents' house. And I just, I'm just puking in the bathroom, you know, like just throwing up a couple days after that, I borrow my mom's car. She's let me drive at places and I steal it. (laughs) I steal my mom's car. I come here to Flagstaff for some stupid reason, help somebody else get their car out of impound, and uh I just stayed. I just stayed in Flag. Things don't turn out the way that you think they're going to when you're trying to do stuff like that. And I stayed in Flag, and I did. Um, that's really the point where I thought I was either going to die or go to prison because it was just... I'd broken so many more lines that I'd never broken before during that yeah. time. Um, I'm not going to share about them just because I don't think the statute of limitations is up on that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. So at at what point do you start to like make make a real attempt to get sober?
1: So uh, right after this, it's Christmas morning and I talk to my mom. I'm like, hey, I'm going to get gas going and bring back your car. Uh, can you please let the cops know not to arrest me? And they're like, well, I don't think I can do that, right? Like you can't just... One is the holiday. Two, my mom doesn't believe a fucking word I'm saying. Can't blame her, you know.
0: Wait, so how long did you have her car?
1: For like a month, maybe, something like that. How
0: was she what the fuck? I would have reported it stolen, dude. Well, oh,
1: I'm sure she did after like the first week. I'm o oh, i am I almost I'm I'm sure we could like if we asked my mom about it, like I'm sure it's within the first week that I had it that she I just got away with I just had it for a really long time. Oh. I was like going to Phoenix, coming back, going to Phoenix, coming back it had, like, dealer tags on it still. I, like, printed a fake dealer tag to put on there because it had expired. <laughs> like, craziness, right?
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. It was Christmas, and I get a knock on Snow Peak Motel, which is, like, the worst That's It's, it's no longer
0: there. Yeah,
1: no, it's gone. It's, it's gone. gone. It's no, it's no it's longer gone. there. Uh, this is actually the last time I was arrested, the very last time. And I wake up from the night before, and I don't remember shit. I remember bringing a Christmas tree on my back to this tweaker motel right like i don't don't ask me okay it's
0: probably not the craziest thing they've seen no <laughs> <laughs>
1: probably not the craziest thing like a real christmas tree not a fake christmas tree like a real yeah, fucking yeah. pine tree with me and like a couple other couple other people you because we want to we celebrate Jack, christmas bro
0: you were trying to fit in no
1: we're trying to get in the christmas spirit Oh okay. You know? like santa claus comes to the tweakers too you know what i'm saying
0: no no, <laughs> no he I doesn't i don't think he does
1: Just lumps of coal for us. So I wake up the next morning. I don't have a shirt. I have no shoes. And they say, Jonathan Seeley, come out with your hands up. We know you're in there. If you come out, we won't arrest anybody else. And so I'm like, all right. And I come out and tasers already pointed at me. I, I go to jail. They... The one thing, and I, I hate sharing this, but I'm still resentful about it, is other people talk about how cops let them smoke cigarettes before they go to jail. Not one cop has fucking ever never, let dude. me smoke a fucking, fucking cigarette. Fucking never. Not once. But
0: I'm always a dick to cops. Yeah. So I can understand like why they never let me, but yeah. So
1: I go to jail, and uh, I talk to my public defender. He's like, you're going to prison. He's like, you ran... Probation doesn't want you. You're you're definitely going to prison. He's like, good news is like you'll probably only spend like four months there with them on a back time. (laughs) I'm like, all right, that's good news (laughs) (laughs) for sure. But I write a statement to the judge and I'm just like, hey, like I need help. You know, like on on paper with them, I had never been to treatment, right? Like not like a real inpatient treatment. I've been to a halfway house and I've been to rehab once before. And the judge says, I don't think we've done everything to help you, so. I'm gonna give you one more chance and go to treatment. So I get sent to the Sal- Salvation Army in Tucson. And that's really where I saw my life change. Uh it's a human program, it's by no means perfect, but it's where I re- like really learned some discipline. You wake up at five o'clock in the morning, you go to the warehouse, you start sorting through junk, throwing trash away, putting price tags on stuff they can resell, right? And I go to church twice a week and I get a sponsor, right? I get a, I get a sponsor. He's this old Buddhist heroin addict from the 60s named Jim. Coolest, coolest old person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Super cool. Like jazz saxophone player. Sick, dude. Super sick, dude. He talked about just shooting up heroin. He'd come with like all the old timers from Green Valley and they'd uh, do 12 step studies. And uh, that's when I did like my first real attempt on the steps and started to see some real change. Right. I was completely removed from all this stuff. And I did some soul searching and I talked to my counselor at the time. And my uh, wife had been in and out of jail during this time. And every time she'd go to jail, she'd send me a letter or try to contact me. And then she'd run as soon as she gets released. Right. I do some soul searching and I talked to my counselors. And I'm like, you know, I should probably get a divorce. Right. I'm yeah. Like, That's probably what I should do. And my whole identity was wrapped up in and like this idea, this fake idea that I had that I needed to be a husband. You know what I mean? And I, I don't need to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't have to do that shit. Um, and it was, I need to be there for somebody else at the expense of myself. Right. That was the main idea that I had. Right. Yeah, Is whatever they're going through, I got to put myself through, which is not true. So I get about a year and a half, maybe about. 14 months into it oh which by the way we were living in tucson together at the same time during this happened we just had two different trajectories so
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) i uh my my po comes over and i had like broken a few rules on probation like not being where i'm supposed to be or being out past curfew whatever right like nothing too major or too crazy and my Surveillance officer comes over. She's like looking through my stuff. And I have been sober for like a little over a year. And this isn't something I really do. And I'm like, hey, like, what's up? And she's like, well, you popped dirty for for heroin on Friday. And I'm like, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, do you have anything you want to explain to me? And I'm like, I'm sober. And I, I was. I was telling the truth. And I'm like, I'm sober. And she's like, well, you need to come report in on Monday. I go report in on Monday and see like the supervisor and like my PO And they're like, you can come clean with us every time. And like, whenever you want to, like, just tell us the truth. And I'm like, I've been in the system since I was like, you know, I know that if I tell you, I'll go to jail for like two days and then get out. Like, why would I continue? I'm like, test me again. And they're like, well, you can test again, but we're going to revoke your probation here and send you back to page. And I'm like, fuck that sucks. I lost my job. I couldn't stay in the sober living house I was in anymore. I remember, riding my skateboard away from the treatment center after they told me that I couldn't stay there and all my stuff was in a bag. And I remember looking at that Circle K on South 6th Avenue, which is one of the most dangerous Circle Ks in Arizona, by the way. I remember thinking about getting a drink. But instead of getting a drink, I call somebody in the program and they're like, it's okay. Stay on the couch here for two days. Greyhound ticket home, right? And so I get all that shit taken care of and I'm on my way home. I I get to Paige. I'm living with my parents again. Yeah, things are good. I get a uh, fucking shitty ass job. I'm get off probation and I hit up my buddy who've been drinking and smoking weed the whole time. And I'm like, Hey, man, like, what's up? And you're like, Come over.
0: That's a good buddy, dude. Come
1: come hit the ball.
0: (laughs) Come rip the bong bro
1: <laughs> I wasn't even off probation yet right like I, I I, had been going to meetings but I didn't have a sponsor right I wasn't actually like doing any work yeah and so I'm like I've been sober for a year and a half like I can smoke some weed safely right like yeah. I'm cured dog yeah like these are real thoughts I fucking had in yeah. my head
0: let's go down to my buddy's house <laughs> rip the bong drink some kill lifters on the porch yeah yeah. Yeah. What buddy was that? No, just kidding.
1: Oh, you know him.
0: <laughs> you know him well. <laughs> yeah. It was him. Fucking enabling muscle. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. That. I
1: made my own decisions. Yeah. So I uh I go and I, I I go to Richie's house and I hit the bong and I have a couple beers. And what's funny is like I remember seeing your dad and your dad like knows that like I'm I'm making the wrong decision, but he doesn't say anything. Right. Cause like I had been over and I had seen him and I'd seen everybody. I'd be like, Oh, I've been sober. You know what I mean? For, and then he comes over and then, he, you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. drinking and he's like, I just, it's you that, it it's that inside. knowing <laughs>
0: yeah. a
1: stare that people have, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? And that, that was it. So I, uh, the very next day after that, I, I make it to midnight. Probation doesn't come over. Nothing happens. I get off probation successfully. After three years of being on paper, the very next day, I get off of work, I grab a fifth of Captain Morgan, blackout drunk, like I got blackout drunk the night, snorting lines of meth, looking for heroin, the very next fucking day, right? And so I learned that my disease, I pick up right where I left off, no matter how much time I put in between me and then. Four months of running hard, and eventually my mom's wondering why I'm wearing long sleeves in the middle of fucking July. Or August, I guess at the time it was, you know, I just, I can't, I can't hide it anymore. So yeah. I tell him, I'm like, yeah, I relapsed and I need some help. My dad's like, I want you to go to Salvation Army. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that again. So yeah. I call up, cause I, I know at this point what, what works what for, works. what works for me, right? Cause yeah. I had a year and a half working a program and helping other people and doing the deal. So I, uh, call up my buddy who's doing the deal right living here in Flagstaff um, same buddy you called you know God bless mm-hmm. his fucking soul yeah and he's like pack up your shit drive to Flag we'll go to a roundup right <laughs> I pack up my shit it takes me about five hours to drive to Flagstaff because I'm pulling over you know smoking whatever stuff I have left on my way there it takes you so much more time to
0: get places it does well it's like a 30 minute stop every time yeah
1: every single time <laughs> yeah it took me like five hours to get there eventually i get there and i i haven't slept in days at this point like barely anything so i'm i i park at his house and i'm in the chair and i'm just moving all over the place um i go to the roundup and yeah and that's that's not the end of it though um
0: wait so so how was the roundup
1: it was good. It felt humbling. I was like the person there with like the least amount of sobriety. Um It was raining. So
0: everybody's like, you're in the right place. Keep yeah. it up. All that cheery fucking <laughs> yeah. bullshit. Want another cup of coffee? Here's yeah. a hug. <laughs> that you
1: don't want... All I want to do is fucking sleep like the whole yeah. entire time. Yeah, and they don't let you. Everybody in. else is having like a good time. Yeah. I'm like... It's raining and I can't... Fu- like, I'm too hot, too cold. Yeah. Too hot, too cold. Yeah.
0: Well, for a lot of them, they're looking at you and they're like, oh, yeah, that's what it was like.
1: <coughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, I, when, when you're that new, like you fucking hate the smiles. Yeah. Like, I'm resentful of people being happy yeah. and, like, telling me it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, deep down, like, I know it's going to be okay or, like, I kind of believe it, you know what I'm saying? But I don't want to hear it. Like, I just yeah. want to live in my own shit, in my pity, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but- they,
0: they help you not live in your own shit anymore.
1: I pick up a sponsor, I start looking for work, and uh, a couple times I go back to page and I relapse each time, right? I go, so I go on like a weekend or something because I don't have like a stable job or anything. I just take some time off, visit my family, and when I have like a free moment, I call up the dealer real quick, you know what I mean? Use on the weekends, come back, did that for about two weeks. Eventually, the friend I was living with found out about it, and he's like, you got to tell me the truth right now. How have you been using? And I told him the truth. And uh, he's like, "Okay, you can't go to page anymore if you want to live here." He's like, "You have to wait, I don't know, like ninety days or some shit like that." I can't remember what we decided. So I do that. Um, I and I come clean with my sponsor, living on it, sleeping on a fucking couch, and not following a lot of the suggestions, suggestions given to me, like we don't get in do, a relationship. We never do it first. So I enroll in some college classes, which was pretty cool because I always wanted to go to college. And I was pretty good at that, despite, you know, not being in school since I was like 16 years old. You yeah. Know? I've managed to get divorced, which was fucking sweet, dude.
0: Single man, ladies.
1: So fucking cool. I'll never forget. That was probably one of the coolest things I've done. And I know, I know that it probably seems weird to some people that you think like a divorce is like a happy thing, but that was for sure like a really yeah, good moment free, for me. you yeah. know.
0: And I'm and I'm and I'm sure to some extent it was freeing for her as well.
1: Yeah, she probably looks at it uh, that way now. You know, I know that there was probably some thoughts for her because when when I sent her the papers, she was in jail, and so she had tried to get a hold of me like pretty quickly after that, and like we had talked about it on the phone a little bit, and she's like, "You want to do this?" And I'm like, (laughs) "Absolutely, I do." (laughs) You know it just it just wasn't for me. So now uh, I'm coming up on 5 years. I love I love living in Flagstaff. I've got to see a bunch of my friends get sober. Some of them relapse and get sober again, you know. Um
0: Yeah, it happens.
1: And uh it's just part of the thing, you know, no judgment. I'm chronic relapser too, multiple times. So
0: Yeah, that was beautiful. I don't think so like there are some parts that I know you left out and then there are some parts that I've never heard before. So mm. I'm grateful for this. Thank you for doing this episode number ten. I was I was like half worried my wife was gonna call and say the baby was coming.
1: I was thinking about that too. Like yeah. as I'm pulling in, it'd be kind of like,
0: cool. Like, oh sorry, I gotta, gotta go. go. <laughs> 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 Fuck <laughs>
1: it. Posted anyways. Yeah. yeah, I yeah I was thinking about that. I was like, he better leave because normally we have our phones put away, right? And I'm like, yeah, you gotta it's... leave your phone near you. Well, well, I got my
0: watch on and my phone's on silent. Um, oh so
1: well, then you're good to go. She calls
0: I know. So baby's coming. I don't know, fucking know when.
1: Hopefully soon. Fingers I crossed. Think,
0: I think next week. Next weekend's Mother's Day as well, so we might skip next week. Oh
1: no, we're for sure skipping. Yeah, I will not yeah. be here next week.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, beautiful things coming. I'm um, not gonna say what they are, but things are coming. They're they're going rather slow, but please have patience with us. Uh, we both work full time jobs and have families and other stuff in our lives going on. But we're trying to stay in a routine of at least doing a podcast once a week. Um, we do have some like small changes that we're going to implement that are for the better.
1: We're learning new things. We're trying to figure technology out Listen, and dude, developing I, skills.
0: There was a time in my youth where I didn't have a fucking phone for two years. <laughs> like all this shit is new to me. and learning it as I go.
1: You know what's crazy is I've had the same phone number for four years.
0: Not me. No, I had it. So I had a Straight Talk phone. Yeah, for like the beginning of my sobriety, and then like I actually got actually got like a f- new phone, like a, a real a like a phone yeah, phone, yeah, 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 yeah like yeah. Galaxy S10, dog. <laughs> you know, uh, I
1: I remember you had like the shittiest phone for the longest time in sobriety.
0: Yeah, yeah, for a
1: long time. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was a flip phone. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I had, you a had a flip phone. Flip bro. phone. That's right. Fucking
0: a. I was one of those. Young guys with a flip phone fucking really fit in with all the other people.
1: Um, thank you guys for listening to my story. I hope that uh, some of you can relate. And if not, maybe you learned a little bit. Um, if you want to see this podcast grow in quality and in frequency, please hit the donate button at the bottom of your screen. Anything and everything is appreciated. Um, all proceeds go towards growing the podcast. So,
0: Yeah, we're not taking a profit yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Also, please uh, like, share, share with your friends. I don't fucking know, dude. Help me out because hashtags on Instagram aren't doing it.
1: They just bring in the bots.
0: Yeah, fucking bots. Anyways, love you guys. Have a beautiful day.